welcome to the Business Brainwave Show with Renata Jute, where we will look at ways to optimize your business. In this episode of Business Brainwaves, we will look at the purpose of trusts. Why would one form a trust in the first place and what are you supposed to do with it when you have it? So generally, trusts serve a great purpose when it comes to protecting assets and caring for your family and yourself whilst you're alive. Uh, It's also a great uh, vehicle when you want to leave your assets behind, when you want to plan your estate and when you want to make provision for minors. But the important part of trust is that it needs to be administered in accordance to legislation and that it needs to have proper management because often trusts are formed um, and not adhered to, not properly managed and one can then fall foul of the relevant acts that uh, determine how we should look after these trusts. And also contrary to popular belief, trusts have limited tax advantages. Tax uh, for trusts is really at the highest uh, tax uh, bracket. So uh, currently for trusts in South Africa, your income tax rate would be 45% and your capital gains rate is at an inclusion rate of 80% of your gain, which makes it a higher vehicle. However, this being said, when you do apply the conduit principle, and you uh, apply uh, Section 25B of the Income Tax Act, you can, in actual fact, have the taxes flow through to beneficiaries. So the uh, taxes would follow the income stream, and there are different ways that one would manage the taxes in trusts. And I will certainly discuss this in more detail in another episode uh, of Business Brainwaves. But then what is the purpose of a trust at the end of the day? So if I've formed this trust and the whole idea was to protect my assets, look after my uh, beneficiaries in the event of my death, um, what, what would be the purpose? Well, we can certainly do tax planning through it. Like I said, it is the highest tax vehicle, but you can do proper tax planning in it. Um, we can protect our assets from creditors. Uh, again, if the trust is managed properly. Also, uh, where we need that protection against spendthrift children. We can also have protection for vulnerable spouses after death and uh, protection, as I mentioned, of minor and vulnerable children. Then um, the income tax splitting through the conduit principle is uh, always a favorite. That would be, as I mentioned earlier, we you have maybe taxable income in the trust and you then split that income through to the beneficiaries, the tax would flow with that and the beneficiaries would then become liable for the tax. There are, however, certain aspects that one has to take into account to ensure that this money can in actual fact flow through to the beneficiaries. You can also have multi-ownership of assets in a trust. So what this means is if you, for instance, have multi-parties in the trust, uh, you could have various family members or you could have uh, just various people all being trustees of a particular trust and this particular trust could then purchase an asset. That means that you would have the 
that although the trust is the owner of this particular asset um, and there are various beneficiaries to the assets in this trust, you now have multi-ownership of that asset. Also, you can create impartiality and confidentiality, preservation of assets after death, and for me, a personal favorite, because I do deal with a deceased estates, assuring rapid access to income and capital after death. When one passes away, whatever assets are in trust is not part of your deceased estate. So it does not form part of your deceased estate, provided the trust has been managed properly uh, and in accordance with legislation. So the assets in that trust is thus uh, removed from your personal deceased estate. And if there's cash available in that trust or on your death, um, you may have uh, policies that pay out to that uh, trust, the funds will become available immediately to the beneficiaries of that trust. And this is so important, especially where you have a spouse and minor children, or often what I see is where the main breadwinner was not only responsible for his spouse and his minor children, but maybe was also taking care of his parents. And when you have all these parties that are so heavily reliant every month and every week on the income from that main breadwinner, when that main breadwinner all of a sudden passes away um, unexpectedly, having the funds available in a trust that can immediately just take over the maintenance of the family members and continue providing for the family is absolutely essential. You um, can also, of course, like I said, uh, continue your affairs. So basically, whatever you had before can continue. So let's say, for instance, if we own our um, company shares in a trust, just because the main shareholder, previously, if that was now in your personal name, if, if you are a shareholder of a business and you pass away, Often what happens is in an estate, things become quite messy. And now who trades the business? What happens? And now uh, maybe accounts are frozen. Bank accounts are frozen. How do you pay people in your business? However, when a business is owned by a trust, uh, the, the business will just continue as it was. So you may pass away, but your business can in actual fact continue. So provided that you've made proper provision and that you've got proper management systems in place, your business will just continue. The, the death of the shareholder does not result in the business accounts being frozen. It does not result in the business coming to a standstill. Like I say, provided you've made the um, necessary arrangements. And then, of course, if you set up this trust in your lifetime, so it's not a testamentary trust, but what we refer to as an inter vivos trust, then you can also measure the performance of the trustees in your lifetime. So you may say, well, you know what, I want to set up these trusts. And um, after my passing, um, other parties or these parties will continue with maybe my spouse to be trustees. You can measure their performance in your lifetime. And this is also important because you don't necessarily want people to just come on as trustees after your death. And you don't know that they will act to the best uh, interest of the beneficiaries. Although that is legislation and it's stipulated and that's how it's supposed to happen, you want to be able to ensure that. 
Of course, there are various different types of trusts. Uh, some of them are formed in your lifetime, and that's when we refer to something as an intervivos trust. You also have um, uh, the testamentary trusts, which is formed as a testament. It's part of your last will and testament. So you also have that, and there are also various other types of trusts, which I will touch on in another episode. The very nice thing about trusts to also remember is that when you have a trust, you also are to a certain extent protected when something unforeseen happened that could leave you incapacitated. Often when individuals uh, are left incapacitated, the courts will um, appoint a curator to look after these people. Now, and after their financial affairs. Now, in many cases, those curators are great people and they would act to the best interest of the person that is in their curatorship. But, what if that is not the case? If, if your affairs are in trust and you have independent trustees appointed there with you that can also look after your affairs and your finances are handled in there, at least if something should happen to you that does leave you incapacitated, you will not necessarily be forced to have a curator appointed to look after your affairs. And I think that is also a, a real benefit to ensure that your affairs are in order and taken care of. So, yeah, understanding that trusts have their benefits, it's also important to understand that trusts are not for everyone. Setting up a trust is a costly affair. Managing that trust is far more costly because you would have to pay the independent trustee their fees and that could be an annual fee. It could be a percentage fee of what is under administration in that trust. It could be a per transaction fee. Whatever that looks like, there are fees involved. You would also have um, an accountant appointed to draft the financial statements of that trust pretty much the same as you would for a company. You would have to submit tax returns to SARS for that trust. Um, resolutions need to be drafted for all decisions you make on the trust. So all these things would incur a cost. And that is why it's important to understand that your trust is there to serve a purpose. And often trusts are formed and they will serve a purpose for a period of time. They may be um, infinitum or they would be for a particular time. An example of a trust that's there for a particular time would maybe be if I formed a trust to own the shares in a particular business. So it is the shareholder of a business. And after a number of years, we sell the business or the business has done what it needed to do and we close the business. So the shareholding is now no more in that trust. That means that that particular trust has now served its purpose. Now, we could certainly apply that trust for a different purpose, but if we do not have a need for that, it does not mean that that trust needs to continue. If I've decided to retire, I have sold my business, and I may even be relocating to another country, there's no need for me to hold on to that particular trust. And then it's a matter of deregistering that trust. So you would basically 
terminate the trust at the master of the high court. So it's called termination at the master. And once it's terminated at the master, you would then also deregister that trust at SARS. So you would deregister it for income tax at SARS. And after you've deregistered and terminated that trust, you still have to hold on to all the information you had on that trust for up to five years. So five years after termination. That is how long you have to hold on to any and all information for that trust. So that is our little discussion on the purpose of a trust and why we should have a trust and whether we should even have a trust. I firmly do believe in trusts. I believe that they serve a great purpose provided that they serve a purpose for you that you want to provide for minors, provided that you do have an estate that we need to have protected in a trust, but certainly not to just have it for the sake of having it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Business Brainwaves. For more Business Brainwaves, please visit my website, nobleprosperity.co.za, Follow me on Facebook or connect with me on LinkedIn. For easy access, the links are posted below.